Thanksgiving Pasta, and the Green Bay Packers. In our group of 90-plus students in Rome that fall, 5,000 miles from home, the muttering went on for weeks before one of them cornered me to ask, Why do we have to go to class on Thanksgiving? I told him, Thanksgiving isn't an Italian holiday, and we're in Italy now. Okay, said the debater, who by now is in a law firm or a fistfight. So then, you have to give us Italian holidays off. I'm sorry, I lied. We can't celebrate Italian holidays. This is an American university. It wasn't bureaucracy that kept the students in class that Thanksgiving day. It was an attempt, first, to keep them too busy for homesickness, and second, to prevent their having lunch at Ristorante di Biagio, where tables were being set already for a surprise dinner. All the preceding weeks, student muttering had focused on remembered traditional menus. Turkey, cranberry sauce, pumpkin pie, although pumpkins aren't raised in Italy. They spent time and money phoning home and pretending it was for their parents' benefit. My own nostalgia sprang from a Milwaukeean's lament that he missed the Green Bay Packers. I knew how he felt. Thanksgiving dinner at my boyhood home in Wisconsin. During the Lombardi glory years when the Packers crushed Detroit every Thanksgiving afternoon. Those dinners were planned around the game on TV. Eat first, then watch the game? Too early to eat such a heavy meal. Eat after the game? The turkey would dry out. Skip the game? Automatic loss of Wisconsin citizenship. No, I remembered the Packers all right. So while students discussed menus and wondered where to eat, and I daydreamed about football, my wife planned a surprise party. She shopped. I phoned a friend in Milwaukee. We booked Signore Di Biagio's restaurant. He promised roast turkey, although he was stunned at the un-Italian idea of cooking such huge birds before slicing them up. He understood my wife's recipe for stuffing, promised boiled whole potatoes, green salad. He even swore he could bake 18 pumpkin pies. It was an orgy of mutual agreement, sealed with a hefty check. On the appointed Thursday, classes rumbled their way past noon. At 2 p.m., I went from classroom to classroom, inviting everyone, quote, to Dibiagio's for Thanksgiving in half an hour, end of quote. The cheers were faint and suspicious, but they were cheers. On the white tablecloths at Dibiagio's lay straw cornucopias, spilling apples and walnuts and bright golden gourds. Zinnias and straw flowers on every table, a scene out of good housekeeping. Faculty and their families, students and staff, all mingled at Di Biagio's 20 tables. Turkey appeared on silver platters. Volunteers set to work carving, offending Di Biagio's waiters who could have done it better. Tables held potatoes and gravy, peas, carrots, stuffing, everything but the place to eat from. And then we saw why. Signore Di Biagio himself brought my plate from the kitchen and leaned over to whisper, You forgot, but I made it right, your mistake. On each plate was a mound of spaghetti. Our host, unable to imagine a meal without pasta, certain that we'd meant to order it, had corrected the oversight. He smiled while we dug into the hybrid feast. As dessert neared, I reached under the table for my surprise. A cassette player loaded with an audio tape airmailed to Rome by a resourceful friend. Over the murmur of conversation, the voice of Ray Scott began describing a 20-year-old Packer march to victory. Two of us in the room loved it. One woman there capped the day by calling out, Turn that thing off till we're done eating! She sounded like my mother. 
Signore Di Biagio topped his mistake with the pasta by bringing out 18 orange chiffon pies, the nearest he'd been able to approximate pumpkin. Same color, he said proudly. A dozen students were singing songs with the youngest faculty kids. The Packers beat Detroit, the advantage of choosing which tape to replay, and the din grew louder. As our three-year-old said, Thanksgiving's best for big families. That day we had a family of 110.